the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Today is Amazon Prime Day, which is weird because it's not really a day. It's a 48-hour event. I'm not sure if we can rename it Amazon two-day Prime Day. That doesn't make any sense at all. But it's it's a weird 48 hours. It started off, well, let's talk a little bit about it, because I think it's the ultimate loyalty program. And I think loyalty means a lot. Let me give you a quick example on that. Um, one of the saddest parts about the pandemic is I've lost the ability to go to my favorite restaurant, sit there at lunchtime, not be recognized, have a nice chicken burger, maybe a beer, and watch a uh, soccer game in Europe because they don't allow seating right now. So I've lost that. But I was so loyal to this restaurant. Restaurants are funny. Um, name a restaurant in your in your life that your family went to. You went to, you went to, you went to, every time you went to. And it was like, your dad was like, I love the waiter there. It was a loyalty program. The waiter was the loyal. He would talk to your dad. He'd warm your dad up. But restaurants are also kind of fickle because as soon as we get bad service once, I'm never going there again. I paid $19 for a steak that tastes like rubber. No way. Or it's too rare or too overcooked. You get pissed off at restaurants. So you leave that loyalty. Amazon Prime Day is a big loyalty event, and I don't think they're the first company to ever figure out loyalty programs, but they've been able to lock people into the Amazon ecosystem. Amazon Prime wasn't the first one to figure this out, but they're doing it really kind of differently with Amazon Prime Music, Amazon Prime Gaming, Amazon Prime at Whole Foods Markets. Locking you in on two-day shipping into a variety of things in your life. Now, what's what's bizarre is Amazon Prime Day last year in the United Kingdom, the top-selling item was a cordless drill. Interesting, I was doing some painting this weekend, and I found out that my drill, the lock bit, I, I can't open it anymore. So I need a cordless drill. <laughs> That was the top-selling product in the United Kingdom last year. In Singapore, it was a 15-pack of Coca-Cola Zero. So Amazon Prime, what that tells me is people who can sell product tinker. They figure out, like, what do we need to get off our shelves? What do we need to get into people's hands for the first time ever What so that we can create our own loyalty? Was Coca-Cola Zero, was that a test in Singapore? to make it so super cheap and so super priced that we can get it into millions of hands for the first time ever? It kind of was. The experimentation that goes on on a day like this, you don't even begin to understand. 
Prime has become the most successful shopping event in Amazon's history. Amazon Prime is five years old, or Amazon Prime Day is five years old now. At one point in time, five years ago, it was put on to celebrate the previous 20 years of the company. Um, so it was kind of an anniversary thing of like, Hey, we've been delivering DVDs for 20 years. We've been delivering books for 20 plus years. Like that's what it was all about. This prime year is weird because of the pandemic, because every day is Amazon prime day. Amazon has skyrocketed deliveries due to the pandemic. We thought they were strong this time last year, pre pandemic. We thought they're like, Man, all you see are Amazon trucks driving around and dropping off packages and porch pirates. And we had stories like that. But this year is different because the, the Amazon Prime Day is almost every day of the year. Every, we're going there on a regular basis. We didn't want to go to stores, which is probably Jeff Bezos' dream fantasy. Did he just say people don't want to go to stores? We'll bring the stores to them. Yes. Yes. So Amazon's experienced a huge surge of orders since March when stores and businesses began shutting down. Prime Day sales have historically passed Black Friday and Cyber Monday, making it the largest shopping day of the year. It's so big that Walmart, Macy's, and Target had to do their own Christmas in July type of event. Massive sales, massive discounts. Shoppers pay $119 a year to receive benefits like free shipping, free movies, and free TV shows through Prime Video. They're going to get hit with a lot of Amazon gear. That is part of what Amazon's trying to do. They're trying to put the Fire and the Kindle, everything they could put in your hands, the speakers, anything they can do, Audible, Amazon Video, Amazon's Echo Speakers. Their doorbuster deals are on their own product to get you to stay inside the ecosystem. Loyalty is what it's all about. Today could be a day where they say, um, it's really not you could buy anything you want because it's pretty limited and it's pretty targeted. I may want a set of silverware, but if advertisers and marketers have figured out that silverware is not, everyone's already got it this year, it's not going to go on sale. If they find that like, whoa, what's building up an inventory or what do we need to push for new product taste, new product launch? If it could be like uh, silverware that has sporks in it, maybe it'll be the sporks silverware special. I'm like, don't buy it. Don't buy it. It's just a deal. But you don't ever use sporks. I know a spork is a half spoon, half fork. Why don't we use it more often? A friend of mine got married many, many, many years ago, back when I was at that age where friends were getting married. And on her wedding registry, it had just a variety of just Total obnoxious stuff. Total obnoxious, like um, crystal candy holders. So you can eat your M&Ms out of, you know, a $100 crystal bowl. <laughs> Mungo. He eat like beans, is what I remember. Um, Blazing Saddles. That is a movie that could not be made today. Is it funny? Was it funny at the time? Is it not funny now? Let's just say my family really, really like dark senses of humor. Um, so that movie was probably a hit in our family. Then again, Raising Arizona was a massive hit in my family. When you can get an actor going into 
Nicolas Cage going into a grocery store, convenience store, 7-Eleven type store, putting a pantyhose on his head that he could totally be recognized, trying to rob the convenience store, but at the same time understanding that diapers are expensive and he's got a baby at the home that he just kidnapped. So he steals some diapers while he's stealing cash from the cash register. And he goes up the cash register and he goes, I'll take these here huggies and all the money in the safe <laughs> or in the register. My family likes dark. Um, Prime day is a manufactured event. Most important thing Amazon can do is drive loyalty on the day. Um, Prime reading, Prime video, Amazon-owned electronics, Amazon-owned clothing, Amazon-owned housewares, um, lightning deals, you know, super deals that come out right here, right now. You got to get it right now. It's interesting because it's expanded every year, and it's a bigger holiday every year. It's the biggest shopping day of the year. Pandemic, I don't know. I don't know. Are we going to hit the numbers this year? I'm going to be doing a little shopping. Because I, I like buying stuff that I'm going to use at a massive discount. Let's see if I can find it. I won't push it, but I'm going to be looking. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Little Luminaires. I kind of need a little music therapy every now and then. When we were young. Facebook is the only game in town when it comes to political advertising this year. Why is this important? Uh, Google said we're limiting targeting for political ads. Twitter has banned them all together. Snapchat said we'll review them one by one. Facebook pulls in an extra 3% of their revenue in political ads. That's not too shabby. That's some real do-re-me. That's the beef. Where's the beef? Where's the sauce? It's right there. So Facebook, through the variety of apps, whether it be Facebook, Messenger, Instagram, WhatsApp, reaches a quarter of a billion users in North America. That's a lot of eyeballs. 250 million a month. Wow. Stop and just digest that for uno momentero. You know, the advertising mecca, the utopia, the best day ever is the Super Bowl, because that's when 100 million Americans sit down. We eat our Doritos made by Pepsi. We drink our beer, probably Budweiser, publicly traded. We watch the commercials of companies like E-Trade, where a monkey is riding a rocket at the top of the stock market. We see the financial implications of what it means to get in front of 100 million eyeballs for three or four hours. We gamble on who's going to win. We gamble on who's going to sing the national anthem. We gamble on will there be nudity in this year's show versus last year's show. We want answers. 
Facebook is the only game in town when it comes to social media. Um, the amount of stuff that comes out of my kids' mouths these days that I'm like, whoa, where did you learn that? Typically on YouTube. Um, my kids have some complex thoughts that are being taught on YouTube. Like, what do you think about the Supreme Court nominee, Dad? I'm like, wait, 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 what? You're not supposed to be paying attention to that. You're supposed to like dinosaurs and things like that, right? That's how important Facebook is to the political landscape. Now, again, last month, Facebook came out and said they're going to stop showing new political ads in seven days before voters head into the polls. So we got that going for us. When you check up to see your your friend who had a baby at age 60, you're like, what? 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 <laughs> He's going to be... 78 years old when she's going to prom. What? And you gossip about people and you look at their ugly babies and go, man, that is one ugly baby. And everyone's like, big thumbs up. For the record, for those of you not living on the peninsula in the Bay Area like I do, my very exclusive zip code 94070. But every now and then I drive by the Facebook building and there's a big uh, thumb sign on the outside of it. People stop, get out of their cars and take the picture of the big like finger. I guess it's a Christmas card if you're from Texas kind of thing. <laughs> you know I'm going to sneak on at some point in time and have my kids put the big thumbs down because that's funny. <laughs> I know you're saying that's not funny. But anyway, Facebook's the only player in town, and they said they're going to cut political ads seven days before an election. Um, this weekend, Facebook did a reversal and said, if you deny the Holocaust existed, you're not no longer allowed to post on Facebook. So the Holocaust deniers, and there's a crazy study out on how many millennials don't believe the Holocaust happened. And you're like, Come on, watch watch a watch a war movie. Watch a Steven Spielberg. Watch Tom Hanks. You'll this was bad stuff. And millennials don't know it happened because they didn't see it for themselves. Fair, I get it. I I get some sort of conspiracy theory there, right? So Facebook political advertisers spent two hundred sixty four million dollars in the last ninety days at Facebook. That number is going to go up because. That's third quarter. This is going to be fourth quarter that we see the numbers in. Zuckerberg said last October that ads from politicians, not including third-party campaigns, would account for about one-half of 1% of Facebook's revenue in 2020. Political spending is a real thing. And if you take a look at the election campaign with Jamie Harrison, he's going after an established Republican and Democrats are flooding him with money. A lot of spending on Facebook. $4.9 million in the last quarter trying to defeat incumbent Republican Lindsey Graham, who spent $2.7 million. So when you get on Facebook today and you look at my ugly baby and you go, man, that is one ugly baby, you're very likely to see a Jamie Harrison ad that says something along the lines of, Hey, we're down to our last seven days. Um, he just raised a record amount of money. We need to show him that we want you out of Washington, and we'll match it five times. 
I know you've seen that ad if you've been on Facebook, because I've seen that ad to the point that it's obnoxious. Just saying that. That's why I own shares of Facebook. I just talked for seven minutes about Facebook. I hate Facebook. I don't like Facebook. I see your ugly kids on Facebook. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg's taking Facebook political ad spending. They're the only game in town. It goes back to one simple thought. They reach a quarter of a billion users in North America. And literally, if I wanted to target the, the whitest community in America, the most Caucasian community, let's say it's Chandler, Arizona. I don't know. I just made that up. I can. And I could sell advertising. If I want to target where Black Lives Matter moves people the most, I could target it. Facebook's refinement tools are amazing at target marketing. You know, every now and then you get like a postcard in your mailbox and they've sent postcards to everyone in your mailbox. And there's something along the lines of, do you want to sell your house? Because they look at your house and they see the average home is selling for 1.9 million. Why, why target a, a street with an average house of 600,000 when you could target a street of 1.9 million? It makes sense. And that's why I own Facebook. They get a Super Bowl every single day of eyeballs. When the Super Bowl was the mecca for ABC, CBS, NBC, it was the, the best day ever. We could sell 100 million eyeballs to the advertisers. Facebook's like, eh, that's nothing but a thing. We could do that every day. And we could target it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money investing and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Hello. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Yesterday, the markets ripped ahead. Today, not so much. Stocks are mostly lower as earnings have started to kick off. Big banks like J.P. Morgan Chase and Citigroup are doing their business. The big financial start earnings season, middle of earnings season, we get big names like Apple and Amazon. At the end of earnings season, you start getting some of the secondary and tertiary kind of names like Peloton. So J.P. Morgan Chase kicked off earnings by posting an unexpected increase in profit, driven by a 30% jump in market revenues. That's a good sign. There is increased confidence in their outlook. That's a good sign. Even in the face of COVID-19, you ask? Yes, that's a very good sign. How does a bank deal with social distancing, safety protocols, shifting consumer behavior? They're winning, as Charlie Sheen once said. These are winners, not losers. Delta Airlines, on the other hand, is a loser. They reported a drop that, that was not good. Wider than expected loss, Delta Airlines had a loss of Take a guess. How much did they lose in the last 90 days? $5.4 billion. Last year at this time, they made $1.5 billion. Pre-pandemic, pandemic. 
Cash burn average $24 million a day. Could you imagine burning through $24 million? That's an ouchie. Delta said it planned to put off $2 billion of orders in 2020 and more than $5 billion until 2022. So they're saying we're changing the way we're taking aircraft deliveries. That affects, obviously, Boeing directly. Boeing is a stock that everyone loves right now because it's two businesses. It's a defense contractor where they make missiles and uh, little remote-controlled drone, remote drones that can fly into enemy territory and drop a bomb on someone's head with precise location. So it's actually a pimple on his head. Whoa. So Boeing's got that division, and then they've got the aircraft division. We've started to hear a little bit more about 737 MAX, which should have been certified last Christmas, easily by last Christmas. And then the pandemic hit, and it didn't get the certification. So as George Michael once said, last Christmas, I gave you my heart. This Christmas, what are you going to give me? That's the question on Boeing. I could make a case for buying Boeing right now. Ultimately, you get the defense business for what it's worth. $160, $180 a share. But you get an aircraft business for free. If you assume that Boeing finally gets their planes back in the air, the 737 Maxes, this is a no-brainer. You could almost make free money on it. When I like look at horse racing, and let's say... Horse racing is like a 20 horse races, 20 horses. I'm like, I'm not betting on that. That's crazy. Anything can happen there. 20 horses. Okay. Then you get to like, then you get to horse races like Kentucky Derby where these horses have never lost in their life. They're just nothing but winners or top three finishers. And you're like, okay, I, you get, I can start seeing some structure there and you can start working with it. But there's 20 horses, too many horses. 10 horses? Okay, now I'm liking it. I can see some history of performance, and I can see how many horses there are. Four of them are scratched. We're down to six. Now I'm digging it. Like, you can kind of get that refinement going. Super important to learn how to refine your standards when it comes to investing. And to me, Boeing looks very interesting as almost a lock. If you believe the airline's going to... And again, this is, this is going to be drastically, deliriously silly, what I'm going to say. If you believe Boeing's ever going to put planes in the air again, and if you believe we're ever going to go on vacation again, you buy Boeing right now. It, it's There's not a lot of downside. If they come out with a plane that causes cancer, oh, no, there's downside. But they already have a plane that crashes. They're trying to fix that and get recertification. They're one of two companies that can make airplanes around the world that Airbus is heavily, heavily subsidizing their subsidized industry. Europe wants the jobs. So France is like, we will make the tail section and we will, anyone who makes the tail section of an Airbus plane will get paid no taxes in France. It creates jobs. <laughs> so they're subsidized by the government. Airbus, not quite as competitive as Boeing. I know, I know, Boeing probably is money laundering. I know they're probably politically dredging the swamp and stuff like that with their their budgets and their dollars and their lobbyists. But it's a pretty clean company right now. Defense contractor, they're still going to make missiles that can drop on someone's head. But the airline, the air, the airline probably has 
the aircraft delivery business probably has some room to grow because it's so hated right now. No one wants to fly. No one's comfortable. Yet people are flying. People are breezing through security. They're laughing. They're spreading COVID. They're super spreaders, whatever. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but I think Boeing should be looked at. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Um, the federal government's going to run a $3.8 trillion deficit this year and a $2.1 trillion deficit next year. Do a little bit of math, and that's $5.9 trillion. Those estimates don't include what's almost certain to be another multi-trillion dollar stimulus package in the future. How are they going to pay for that? I have a lot of people now, personal friends reaching out to me like, oh, I think inflation's coming because I heard on a radio show, I think it was the Don Henley show, that we're going to run $3.8 trillion in deficit this year and $2.1 trillion next year. No, no, that was my show. It wasn't the Don Henley show. Who's Don Henley? Isn't he an eagle? Yes. Doesn't matter. You get the point. Um, three important things here on the trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars deficits. One, we will never pay it off. You can write this one down. Number one, we will never pay it off. Number two, that's okay. Number three, it's a fascinating world we live in and how this works. It all started back in World War II, the only era in American history with budget figures comparable of today's. In 1943, our budget deficit hit 30% of GDP. We were at war with Germany. We were at war with Hitler. And we had to jack up our spending. That year's deficit, about 30% of GDP. This year's is about 19%. It's going to be equivalent to deficits run in 1944 and 1945. Peak war years. Federal debt as a percentage of GDP is on track to exceed its previous record set in 1946, next year. So an economist wrote about who pays for this. In 1944, they were freaked out. His name was Frank Dixon. He wrote in a paper that the debt figures were too absurd to even comment on. Now, we've come from 1946 to today, and we're in the same place. We're spending trillions of dollars, a large portion of our GDP, we kind of bend, but don't break. Um, in 1946, the Council of Economic Advisors delivered a report to the President Truman warning of a full-scale depression, sometimes the next one to four years. I'm hearing from my friends right now, I want to invest in Bitcoin because of the deficit spending. In 1946, it didn't come to pass, and I don't think it will today. By the early 1980s, federal debt as a percent of GDP was at its lowest level in half a century. The war was effectively paid off. So going from 40, 30% of debt deficit spending to GDP, but it took us 35 years, essentially, to get that percentage down to where it was before. The calamity never happened. 
FDR told Americans in 1941, we must fight this threat wherever it appears, and it can be found at the threshold of every home in America. My fellow Americans, I ask you to demonstrate your faith in America by joining me in investing in new defense savings, bonds, and stamps. We're going to have to come up with something to spend our way out of this, but we will spend our way out of it. We're going to have to come up with something. Will it be higher taxes? Taxes were kept high. Before the war, tax revenue as a percent of GDP had never been higher than 7.8%. Then, since then, it's averaged 14%. So we will figure this out. I don't want you to run and panic and buy Bitcoin. I don't want you to say, I hear inflation's running rampant with the trillions of dollars. We've been here before. Yes, do we need another natural disaster? Do we need a Cold War? Do we need anything like that? No! We could use a lack of a shock to the system while we digest this. It took us 30 years to pay off World War II, the debt that we accrued. We'll figure something out comparable. I'm confident in that, question mark. Uh, but I'm not buying Bitcoin, nor am I buying gold. I'll say with the stock market with low interest rates. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. What up with Instant Pot? Instapot seems to be like the number one thing you can always buy on Amazon Prime Day or Walmart's competing Prime Day. $49 Instant Pot. Um, the Echelon, which is a poor man's Peloton bike, is on sale for $500. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Unemployment was supposed to be temporary for a lot of America in March and April. We were on lockdown. Nearly 13 million Americans are unemployed in September. That's about 7 million more than pre-pandemic levels. The early part of the recession was gut check time. Temporary layoffs, furloughs. But now we're starting to see some permanent job loss rising. Growing share of workers are also long-term unemployed, meaning they've been out of work for more than six months. And that's when it starts carrying financial side effects that ruin you. I do a show dedicated to getting you to retirement. And a lot of things that I put into place on the show, like you should have some term life insurance if you have a job that creates income that pays for a mortgage. Or if you have a job that creates income that pays for your kid's education. I try to put it in very blunt and, and simple ways to digest. But when you're unemployed for six months, one of the things I'll, I'll bring up is like, you should get disability insurance because your ability to earn income is super important to your family. But if you don't die, what if you get hit by a car and you live and you're disabled? Well, you're probably going to sue that person, right? Well, let's say he doesn't have plates. He's a, a phantom ghost. Then you're probably going to be out of work. And it's going to take six months to get back to work. It's going to financially ruin you. That's one of the reasons we talk about having an emergency fund that can last anywhere, you know, two to six months of income. Because one day you might get hit by something. It could be called a heart attack. It could be called a stroke. 
It could be a phantom ghost rider on a bicycle that you never saw coming takes you down. And you can't go to work. That's a financial calamity. So the most important day to me of the month is the jobs report. First Friday of the month. And I, I've, I've recently digested October's. And it's troublesome. There's trends emerging of 7 million workers more are unemployed than pre-pandemic. 13 million Americans are not working that are, in theory, looking for jobs. There's going to be a reduced likelihood of finding a job. The longer you've lost income, oddly enough, the tougher it is to find a job. Lower earnings may await you when you come back because you may have to settle for something that was different than before. So the recession that we had this spring, summer, hit lower wage workers and minorities who are less likely to be able to withstand financial shocks. The impact on communities is tremendous. Mass unemployment that hit in April was overwhelmingly thought to be temporary. We were talking about V-shaped recoveries. We ain't in no V-shaped recovery. The recovery we're in is K-shaped. So, yes, the, the top part of the K that goes straight up, no, just drop that. <laughs> Look at the other two. One arm goes up at a nice angle, and one arm goes almost down at a horrible angle, like a crashing. And those are the haves and the have-nots. Those are the jobs and the jobless. The mass unemployment that hit was overwhelming. Nearly four in five, four out of five, 80% of workers representing more than 18 million people were temporarily laid off at the height of the unemployment crisis. They expected to be recalled to work. The number has since fallen to 4.6 million or about 30%, 7% unemployed as of September. So the temporary unemployed turned into permanent job losses for a lot of people. And I, I say that almost smirkingly and laughing, but it's the long-term unemployment that kill that just kills financial futures. It's the disabilities that kill financial futures. I've seen medical issues wreak more financial havoc from people not dying, but not being able to go to work is the financial crisis that I see. And again, there's a social crisis that I get it. But that's far too big of a number right now in America of people that want to work that can't. There's just not enough jobs out there right now. Unemployment was supposed to be temporary, and what we're finding is it's permanent for about 4 million of, of the people who lost jobs. And you can't blame them. Like Some restaurants have figured out, like, we don't need a full staff. Some businesses have figured out, well, we don't need a full staff. If they can work at home, we can pay them less. People are figuring it out. Iran's coronavirus daily death toll hits record highs as their currency falls to a historic low. Oh, boy, let's talk about this for a second. You know, my friends are reaching out to me talking about, well, if the Americans are going to spend $7 trillion in stimulus, I, I, I think I should buy Bitcoin to fight inflation kind of thing. And we do stupid stuff. Even my friends are asking me dumb questions right now. And that's fine, because I always say there's no dumb questions. There's just dumb people. Iran's coronavirus death is hitting record highs. Currency falls to its historic low. During Iraq War II, 
George Bush went in once. George Bush went in a second time. Do you remember? Okay. Iraq War II. The dinar out of Iraq was worthless. And people were saying, hey, I can buy a million Iraqi dinar, and if it ever goes up, I'm, I'm in the money. I'm like, it's never going to go up. So people tend to speculate during periods where they're told to speculate. The advertising goes crazy for gold anytime the stock market goes down. The advertising for oil goes crazy anytime the stock market goes down. Um, be careful on going after currencies because they're very expensive to buy and they're very expensive to sell. There's a big commission. There's a big transaction cost. You're not going to win. And trying to speculate on the collapse of the Iranian economy, it's not going to get you far. I've never seen it work for people. Be very cautious with how you speculate. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.